In this episode, Ryan and I give a preview of what I plan on talking about at the 2022 NNI Think Tank, and we expand on some of those points with specific examples. Hope you enjoy listening. By the way, Ryan and I plan on shooting an episode in Birmingham immediately following the Think Tank so we can capture our initial reactions to the conference. That video will be released the following Monday, February 28th, 2022. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you for listening. All right, welcome to the Bank with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. So young Mr. Jedi here has been traveling all over the country, you know, contracting uh, the latest variant. (laughs) You know. I've been fine. You're the one that's contracted the latest variant. Well, no, I'm the most recent. <laughs> so this is like week three of me recovering, the second best day I've had. And but and it went through our office, too. Uh, you know, a couple of ladies have been out, and then Julie was out. But you you had you had the Rona. Yeah, maybe last was, year for literally five days. Okay. I had a trip that I wasn't going to miss. <laughs> like, this has to go. <laughs> so, okay. So, he, you know, he's been traveling the world, whatever. Um, it's I, just, wanted, I wanted to make a point of it this year. Point to, of what? Traveling? To get out more. I mean, I love the work. Don't get me wrong. But it's isolated. You know, you're in one space talking, you know, doing the same kind of thing. And that just wears on you. It can little, get out of balance. There's a good diplomatic way to put it. And so I've just been rebalancing. <laughs> Perfect. So far. Got out to West Texas, down to the East Texas just East yesterday. Texas, the Keys, Florida. Florida. <laughs> yeah. Twice. If I'm not, yes, twice. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not um, enjoying what I'm doing, then it's not good for anybody. Of course. You know, so it's. So you got to travel 50% of the time. I have to. <laughs> I'm kidding. Exercise some of the positive benefits that accrue to working pretty much over the phone and the internet and you know it's not like i don't work when i travel i'd maybe work too much when i travel but speaking of travel it's just been a minute you know so it's been a minute it's good to be back in the uh studio podcasting room whatever yeah but speaking of travel we're shooting today on february the 12th 2022 and not this next week but the week following is the annual nelson nash institute think tank or annual conference for nelson nash institute authorized ibc practitioners mouthful in birmingham and so we thought we might do a little oh one of us is speaking at the event (laughs) thought we might do a little preview because we've been talking you and i've been talking over the last couple weeks about we talk all the time well i mean about the event in particular yeah yeah so here we we had a conversation but let me say this that like before this before this recording, I mean, we have sat here and actually spoke, had a condo of about an hour and a half. Yeah, it's too bad. Y'all are going to miss out on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, it's recorded, but really not releasable Mm-mm. yet. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah, we, we did. Uh, so I was invited to speak. And so, you know, what do you want to talk about? Okay, well, talk about, you know, infinite banking and concepts and becoming your own banker and you know, and I kick off ideas with you and, you know, and Jake and Julie, and it's just like, I know what I'm going to talk about, right? And so, well, I knew, yeah, I have an idea of what I was going to talk about, right? Yeah. And so then you and I had a conversation and, you know, the 
prolific author that he is, we had about a 20 or 30 minute conversation or so specifically about, you know, what I might talk about and, you know, even bouncing off um, um, titles, right? Because David, he's like, James, I just need a title <laughs> and a couple of bullet points, right? I'm like, okay, well, Parkinson's Law. I just got him the title last week. But you and I, <laughs> you know, we bounced off even the title and the, you know, some of the subject matter. And so I'm like, well, Ryan, would you prolific author? And y'all know that. You regular listeners know. You read his Medium blog. And um, I'm like, hey, would you, you know, put that in form? You know, would you just make some notes on that? He did. Book format, three pages, very detailed and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Very, uh, it's almost like a, a syllabus. Yeah, it's a thorough outline. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I really like the, and it was so even I got off the phone, I right away put it together because I really like your, the overall subject, the title, maybe the scene and the unseen, which Nelson used to talk about all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Classic, Austrian, French classical economic idea Frederick Bastiat essay sort of a prelude to the idea of opportunity cost right the next best option foregone when you take action so seen and unseen seen consequences the unseen consequences and there's a lot in I mean at the end of the day a lot of the business is unseen I mean yes it's a policy there's a dividend paying whole life policy or one or more but it's digital you know, so often nowadays, unless you're doing a paper app or you've, for whatever reason, done a, something, but you might have the document in your hand. Print them. But even then, like the cash value, the capital, the future cash flow, the death benefit, all these things are concepts. And in a sense, they're, well, they are unseen. There's no, there's not really a, unless you're looking at a piece of paper and then there's all sorts of problems that come in with illustrations. But I'm going to uh, talk about that too. A lot of this, I mean, Nelson said, you know, the infinite banking concept is an exercise in reason, logic, prophecy, and imagination. And the most important is imagination. And you have to imagine, literally form in your mind these concepts. And so anyway, the seen and the unseen. And granted, this the conference is for agents, right? people who are authorized IBC practitioners. There might be a few guests interspersed. Some of the companies... Life insurance companies send representatives. Most do not. Most do not. Um, right, only like three to five companies in a given year might show up. I think there's five this year, and it's typically the the people who the ones who come are typically the same each year. It's not like yeah. the big four are sending anybody around like that's not the case. <coughs> they avoid it like the plague. <laughs> yeah, they'll cash every check that you send them, but don't talk about becoming your own banker. Mm-hmm. Or anything that they didn't create yeah. or come up with any new – wait, has the life insurance industry come up with any new ideas lately? I'm just asking for mm-hmm. a friend. I'll wait. Human life value came around like, was it the 20s in Solomon Humor? The, the yeah. teens, the 19 teens or yeah. 20s? And he just codified it. It was already yeah. a concept. Yeah. So, so the uh, that which is seen and that which is unseen, I believe, is a proper title for Frederick Bastiat. Um, and I'm not going to talk about anything that um, most people haven't heard. You know what I mean? I'm not going to regurgitate Nelson. Uh, that's not true. I am. Right. And uh, on purpose. Yeah. So. 
and we kind of specified some of the things that we do see out in the business today that you, the listener, will see on other forms of online media. And that results in a certain kind of business. It results in a certain kind of policy. It results in a certain kind of experience. Yes. As an, as an individual policy owner in relationship to the policies in relationship to your agent. I think a lot of, I'm just speculating here, but I think the reason a lot of people, once they find this podcast, because it's not marketed, it's not on the ClickFunnel anywhere, but once they get here, I think the reason that we tend to have staying power is because we get much more nuanced and specific about certain features of the business be it anything from the the premium structure in a contract to the nature of the underwriting process, right? To the nature of ongoing service and expansion, right? There's little nuances made there that I don't think people, and that's, I mean, whenever I write or speak, that's always a goal is like, I don't want to just repeat something that I've heard somewhere else verbatim, which a lot of people seem to like to do with what I write for some reason. Well, I thought but, that when you write your best articles, it was after a lengthy conversation between you and I. <laughs> that's probably true. And maybe a glass of wine or two is involved in that process. But yes, uh, that's definitely the case. And I also, you know, I I completely agree with that. Yeah. <clears throat> but I originally thought it was because I was so handsome and you're young and handsome and available. I think that is half true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other, you know, we have an awful lot of agents that listen, and 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 I appreciate that. And you know, and my I have a special place in my little heart for agents. Uh, but then I have a special little place in my heart for agents that, you know, encouragement and admonishment. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of. But anyway, but that all ties in with what I think you'll talk about. Is that maybe some just some nuances about the nature of the business that are underemphasized or not articulated at all anywhere else? And a few yeah. of the things that we've talked about intermittently on the podcast in the past, but I think this will be a nice yeah. consolidation. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be you know uh, you know they're agents, they're they're NNI practitioners. That are going to be in attendance. Some new, right? some uh, very um, experienced, and you know from the beginning. Um, but I, I need to practice of what I'm going to say, and they need to hear it. Yeah, you know my opinion, and I don't go anywhere without you know myself, and I'm very biased and opinionated, opinionated. Um, so I'm going to be full of opinions. But I'm also going to be full of examples. Yeah, real life examples. Yeah. You know, one thing that I still get today uh, with new clients who have encountered other agents and may have even acquired contracts, policies from those other agents, is the idea of getting an illustration in front of a, a potential client as fast as possible. And the kind of the the nature of the way that business unfolds over time, like so, and the really the unseen cost of that type of interaction. What do you mean by that? The unseen cost to the industry, mm. the unseen cost to the life insurance company, the unseen cost to the agent. That's typically not 
um, very good business in the sense that um, if I've got to get an illustration in front of you, I am focusing on a rate of return, whether it's expressly conveyed that away or not. I'm going to show you how much it's all going to boil down to a rate of return. No question. Right. And, and half the illustration is non-guaranteed. Half of it's guaranteed. But if you're going to make a decision based on numbers on a page, then that's a that's probably probably the weakest uh, point to make a decision. Mm. OK, but if it gets down to that, if I got to get that in front of you fast enough, then we're talking about numbers on a page. I mean, we, we'll have a conversation about Nelson you know, as long as it's not live and, you know, I don't want to give Nelson any credit, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of that that goes on. I want to give Nelson all the credit personally. But that business typically has a very low persistency. So, you know, believe it or not, and I'm not, you know, a water boy for the life insurance companies, but it costs them money to put policies in force. It takes them several years to even make a profit on that. Okay. Now, the agent gets paid right up front. Hence, I've got to get this illustration that's going to dazzle you to get you to say yes quickly so I get paid. And I might be oversimplifying, but we all know what time it is. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Um, so the cost to the agent, right, that business is probably not going to stay on the books very long. If it does, then the client is probably going to migrate to more competent professionals, all right? Um, or he could just, the, the client can just, like I said, uh, lapse a policy. So how much time and effort and energy did it cost the agent? How much time, effort, and energy did it cost the client? How much time, effort, and energy did it cost the life insurance company? And then just in the big wide world and in the industry as a whole, there's a reason the big four is not showing up at the Nelson Nash Institute. Yeah. And it's because of the activities of the agent. Mm. They look at the infinite banking concept strictly as a marketing tool. Operating like that, it is. It's a bastardized uh, message. Mm -hmm. They bastardized Nelson Nash's work, in my opinion. So that's what I mean, the unseen cost. Look at the time it takes to underwrite that kind of stuff. The company's not going to make a profit for several years. The agent's not even going to be profitable long term. And the client is not going to be served in the long term. Yeah. I mean, we, you, before we started shooting, you alluded to earlier, we had a sort of like, I mean, we just spent 90 minutes talking about like a handful, two or three cases. In, in, in particular, the relationship between the potential amount of death benefit one could get and how that affects an application at present and how it'll affect future applications. You know, it's a, there's a, a true, you know, think long range, one of Nelson's rules. There's a true long-term oriented systematic sort of overview that to implement IBC, not just to buy life insurance, but to implement IBC has to happen. We should have every, every illustration. I point this out. Some of the things are so basic and becoming your own banker. It's like we just gloss clean. Every illustration goes from the time that individual started the contract until Nelson assumes he passes away. 
a lifetime. And then there's a whole fifth part of the book about how that's gonna affect future generations. Like this is, IBC is to think long range. And to, so then to say, well, what's your cash value as a percentage of premium in year one? Or when do I go cash flow positive? It's like, okay, those are questions you can ask. Sure. And there's answers to them. Just understand that's <sighs> something different than what's going on in IBC and becoming a banker. Absolutely. And so if you want to go buy life insurance from somebody who talks about banking, oh, go do that. But that, it, and I, it, to me, it comes back to like, what is a financial professional? What is an advisor? You know, in contrast to just somebody who's selling product, you know, what, what truly is the distinction between those two sorts of roles, those two types of concepts in the professional context? And it, it, on the one hand, it's, it's short-term minded, sell the product, get it done. Like you say, get paid, forget about service. We talked earlier before the show about the clients that you and I both have now. And there are clients because we answer the phone. Because they can get served. I mean, there's an and I have to, I have the opposite problem with my clients. I'm like, they call me after they've tried to do something with the life insurance company and engage with policy services. God bless them. Look, we all got to start somewhere out of high school or college or whatever. And you know, not everybody is blessed with pro a proactive, preemptive mindset, I guess, because oftentimes policy services exemplify that fact very well. And so then the client gets frustrated because they think they know they should be able to do something with their policy and policy services at the company. You know, that didn't fit the script that they got in the training manual last week. And so they, <laughs> you know, if it's not there on the page, the policy services person says, no, you can't do that. And so now the agent heard one thing. They bought a policy. They're trying to do something with it that they were told they could do. Now they're being told they can't. And then I got to unwind all of that. And I got to tell the client, please come to me first, right? <laughs> it's the, it's the, I mean, you don't have to do what you want. Your policy owner, you can talk to the company if you want to. It's the opposite <coughs> mentality of the lack of service that occurs in the short-term minded, sign here, get it done, or one alternative evolution of that. Let's just send the application now. Maybe the client knows they're signing the application, maybe they don't. Let's just throw that at the company so the company can then tell us what the, bounds of what's possible are because that always goes well when the which company is not the you. role of the <laughs> underwriter which therefore then is exactly unseen cost to the life insurance to the company. company mutual company i as a policy owner am going to participate in the financial experience of the life insurance company through the non-guaranteed dividend so i'm going to wear out the underwriters if it was my choice the underwriters wouldn't even, uh, I wouldn't allow just every Joe Smo agent to even have access to the underwriter. That's my opinion. Do your job, advisor, agent, correctly and be efficient. We did a whole thing. Of, uh, I remember the title of it because I thought it was snappy that your agent should be your advocate. Yeah, yeah. Well, in order to advocate for a client in the application process, it turns out you have to know something about them which requires some conversation up front, you know, before we put the application together, put the illustration together, get that. You can't justify an application for an applicant who you don't know. And then people are become accustomed to that. And then because they, they encounter it so much and I get it, this is everywhere. But then you come into this kind of process where the result of that sort of short-term minded is skepticism, 
hostility, consternation, frustration, ignorance, and then all that unseen baggage weighs on you. And then you come to maybe someone who takes a more long-term approach, wants to get to know you, but then you got to go through the process of getting all that prior baggage off well, you. That's exactly the you you you're speaking of a or is an example of a case that exists in the big wide world. What and why I have railed on the noise, the noise, the noise. You know, you can do whatever you want, but if you're going to become your own banker, then go to the source. You know, there's certain um, there is a certain amount of information at a fundamental basic level that you must be aware of. And it's not necessarily the agent on the other side of the phone talking. You know, the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, the book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, the book, How Privatized Banking Really Works, these six and a half hour DVD series recorded live, Nelson Nash presenting. If you don't uh, read those and watch that, and then the Becoming Your Own Banker is now available on audio, audible, a true audio book. Um, you can't speak about the infinite banking concept legitimately. Yep, my opinion. You bet, my opinion. It and my point being is when you when it, when a prospective client or just an interested individual that wants to discover whether the infinite banking con- can I become my own banker? I go out into the big world and listen to all the social media stuff, and it's like you've got to step over so much hogwash to get to the good stuff and 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 the longer you're exposed i mean the clearer the noise becomes and if you'll mm. do the foundational reading and have that basis of understanding you'll be able to point the noise out but um to your point it's uh the same on a on a broad scale the same experience people contacting you people contacting me you almost have to unwind what they think infinite banking is and it has nothing to do with what nelson nash wrote Mm -hmm. and did so yeah there are tools to avoid that fundamental basic reading listening and watching um and it's worth the effort you know even if you went through all that I, i bet you could do all of that for under 500 bucks Cheaper than most click funnels in a weekend or two. Right, I'm a slow reader, so it would take me maybe long, but not that long. And then it's like, oh my gosh, it's only a major shift in financial paradigm and management. I mean, it's okay <laughs> to read a book or two about it more than once, maybe. Yeah, you know, I, it reminds me as you were going through that, just talking about the kind of relationship that results. And I have a client; her name is Key, and I'll just say her name's Key. Pays a solid percentage of premium a percentage of income in premium, uh, had some prior contracts with a direct recognition company. Still has them, fine. Has a new one with me. And she happens to be selling her house and is going to move closer to family. She had some loans outstanding on the contracts with the direct recognition company. She, oh, this, you'll enjoy this tangent, but she had several offers, right? You put something on the market now, sure. you just overwhelmed with offers. One of the offers was a cash offer. And it was the, it was greater than asking. And it was highest of the various offers. Hedge fund. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, of course, you don't know who this buyer, right. and I'm like, but, you know, 
Okay, so say that, so she's gonna have, she has some equity in the property, plus the offers, cash and above asking. So there's gonna be, a, I love this. I, I characterize it as a windfall. She's like, I don't like that word. And I'm like, I'm listening, okay, why don't you like that word? She said, because I did this on purpose. Windfall makes it sound like it just came out of nowhere. Like this, there's this just cash. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm with that. Okay, so this, we'll, we'll call it an irregular cash flow. So in. wait, how does she plan for the market to go up? But I mean, good for her, I'm just saying. Well, I think it had to do with the timing of the sale. Maybe it just happened and, sooner than, yeah. yeah. And she's a diligently, intentionally paid. So, I mean, yeah, there's a, of course, you can't control the market, but, you know, she's, Choosing when to yeah. sell correctly yeah. and has, so I was like, I, yeah, okay. Uh, anyway, so she's expecting this windfall. She's got some loans outstanding. Uh, she's paying her all her premium on her first three contracts, and still cash is stacking up in the bank. So we got all these different things going on. Wait, that sounds to me like a natural uh, signal confirmation. The universe telling you it's okay to expand. You didn't have to like uh, be prodded by a marketer to say, hey, look at all that cash value you have in those first three contracts, you know, even though there are some outstanding loans. And it's like, let's go ahead and take another loan. Let's increase the loan on those three contracts so you can buy another contract. I mean, I'm just saying. It's my point being expansion, and I get it. We're human. You know, it's okay that, that we need encouragement. You know, um, we need to be prodded sometimes, but expanding with the infinite banking concept is natural. Yeah, it becomes apparent. It becomes clear. Yep. So and it sounds like that's the case. It's exactly the case. And by the way, in my world, in my practice, I do things the way that I like to. I, I would like for businesses that I work with to treat me. What okay? a concept! And one element is, I mean, I'm a pretty extreme. I, I, I'm not really a down the middle kind of guy and so it's like i either want something or no yeah. and one thing i don't want are the dripping emails mm. where every week or every month or how you know or and i don't like too much structure you know don't i, I don't need the, the 30 day 60 day 90 day you know i just personally don't like it so i don't impose that on my people now if they want some sort of a check-in call or whatever a certain amount of time okay great well, and i did that a few weeks ago we scheduled something Put it on the calendar for months out, right? And I'll check in with you. Did a lot of those around the end of the year. That's fine. But my point is, I, there is no like ongoing. And sometimes I think that other, that some of my clients would like some of that. And like, I don't hear from them as often as I would think that I might. Because I, for whatever reason, some, they just don't reach out. Not many, but some. But with clients who are like true believers, they get IBC, it's it's in them. They've caught it, right, Nelson? Uh, IBC is more caught than it is taught. Some people who are deeply understanding of what they're doing with IBC, it is natural. And so she knew that, you know, there, there's a lot, there's more than one reason to want to expand, right? She wanted some of this incoming cash from the sale of the property to go into policies. But she's also got cash piling up in the bank at a certain. She's also got three other policies in force, so there's some current death benefit there. And so there's an open question, okay, you know, can I get more? Yep. And how much more can I get? And then there's the question of these loan balances. So there's a lot of moving parts. Yep. And then there's, by the way, financing the next property. Okay, so we have a call, 
and she's telling me all this in 45 minutes. But in that, because I know her, because I know the background, because yeah. we did a thorough review of everything when the policies first went, I, you know, I'm not going to know off the top of my head, but I can pull up the file. I can pull up the notes and be like, okay, yes, I know exactly. You know, in 45 minutes, we put a plan together to cover all that, to get the loan balance paid off, to use the full cash flow to buy the payoff loans and to partially fund a new contract. And we talk about the rate at which that cash has been stacking up in the bank. Right. We talk about just back of the envelope stuff about how much she could get if she wanted to, given her human life value, given the amount of coverage she currently has in force. And it's like, yeah, I think you could do about this much if you wanted, you know, we can, just like Nelson said, this is third grade arithmetic. This is not complicated. Addition, subtraction, division, multiplication. You can, you can sort this out. And in, but, but it was because I had a foundation with her that we could efficiently do that. And even at the end of the call, she's like, oh, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. But, you know, that's okay too. Take it all, let it marinate. And then now you know all the alternatives, you know the options. Just let me know what you want to do and we'll do yeah, it. And it's not like, you know, and I tell, you know, friends and clients all the time, you know, you cover a lot of ground with, with all of them, all of our clients. You know, we do the same thing. Although we do have a regular email <clears throat> that we send out and you can opt out of. Um, and we, we even have regular outbound calls to clients, you know, they're structured in the first year anyway. And, you know, we'll leave you a message if you don't answer the phone. You can call us back. There's no pressure to do anything. But we, uh, you know, we just want to. And maybe I should, by the way. Well, I'm maybe not you should. mine is right. I mean, this is not really marketing. This is like contacting your clients, right? Yeah. But in knowing and in, 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 in being aware, it's like, I mean, I, yesterday, this is Saturday. I left early on Friday, you know out doing a daddy-daughter date with some friends and um you know i'm on the phone with with clients and prospective clients and i know i i remember writing life insurance applications 30 years ago in some little podunk town in texas mm -hmm. you know and sitting in the living room i have no idea of the premium or the amounts but i i remember the people i don't remember them all but if a client calls, um, you know, and you can't remember every detail, no question. But the difference between an actual relationship and a true advisory relationship where there's proper education, there's proper foundational structure, where you're at, where you're going to go, even though the future is unknown mm -hmm. it's completely different from the uh, uh twice this week prospective clients conversations um <clears throat> james you know you asked for too much information um on your fast track and i said well on purpose <laughs> um and, and he was there, he was just uncomfortable disclosing that much information okay well, it turns out, you know, he had tried to contact several others. One, and the guy already has some premium policies, you know, he's already paying premium. My point here is, reached out to one, and whatever he shared with them, they were completely intimidated. Uh. The next two or three, 
attempts to reach out mm -hmm. to agents, they wouldn't return his phone call. This blows so my mind. It, it blows my mind too. Talk about, okay. So then, you know, he's listened to the podcast. You know, I don't, listen, don't wait around. You don't got to call all the other people, right? <laughs> Just go ahead. to the good part. But it's like, <laughs> get to the punchline. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't ask him, well, like, why am I number four? You know, it reminds me of Mike Rivas. It's like, you know, I'm the last guy to call. I didn't even make the list. You know, I'm the last guy he contacts, you know, and then he no. says I'm the worst salesman in the world, which I love it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just spoke with him the other day, soft of the earth. He's going to come back and follow up. He's anyway, um, this gentleman in a conversation with James, I just wanted, you know, to have a conversation with you before I did all that. And that's allowed sometimes, right? In this case, you know, or an exception, and I'm not being harsh, all right? What he discloses with me, he, the guy already pays almost a million dollars in premium, feels like he's inefficient, knows intuitively that he's inefficient, and he should be paying more premium. So whoever he called and you didn't answer the phone, don't even have a voicemail, go ahead and put on your voicemail, my phone number <laughs> because my office will answer those phone calls and now whether whatever he does or doesn't do i don't know okay but for the life of me so we're going to engage i'm going to get to know him i'm going to get to know all of his business and all of his you know i don't want to say complicated but um robust entities and businesses right to even know that to even can we even work together? Right. Right. And if we can work together, it's because I like you. I think I can help you. You'll be a good client. You like me. You, answer the you phone. think that I might, you know, right, bring some kind of a value in a consultative way. And maybe I know what I'm doing and I'm not practicing on you. Um, he did say, though, and I hear this often, if I call, you know, they just want to know how much premium you want to pay. They don't want to know all this other Does, stuff. None of it else. None of it matters. Just give me How a number much? that you want to pay. What is that? What is that? It's like somebody that doesn't know what they're doing or trying to get paid. It's literally backwards. Like what the number is should be the last thing that happens in that whole conversation. And that number will become clearer if you have some foundational <laughs> understanding, right? Yeah. I have a question on my like little financial data intake form, like based on what you currently know, how much do you think you want to pay? That's and, a fair question. And and the number that we end up at <laughs> is nowhere is near never that. The same number. Never. It could be higher, usually is, could be lower, sometimes is, right. never the same. Right. Never. Handful of exceptions to prove the rule. Ever. And then and then you have a conversation. <laughs> Several conversations. You get to know it. You understand what they're doing, where they're at, what they want, what they're trying to do. Is it realistic? How much unlearning do they have to do? Not only in the financial world, then how much unlearning do you have to do I in the see. infinite banking footprint? Please, if you're just stop. If you're <laughs> uh, a marketing IBC marketing guru that has to have a bolt on and universal life because it has a loan provision. Stop using the infinite banking concept. Stop using Nelson's work. Stop. Just stop. Please. I'll put this out there too. The IBC infinite banking concept is trademarked. It's the intellectual property of the Nelson Nash. Institute. Bring it on. Go, go, David, start a GoFundMe. All right. 
or give I'll send contribute. go since go yeah, it gives, yeah, kicks yeah. off all the people that want to read. I'm just saying. Um, and and what happens is that be it goes unenforced, so people use it anyway. And so it's kind of left to the consumer to identify who is really doing what Nelson taught and right. who's not. Now, I had a, as you were going to, I have a, a, another client, you know, oh, not answering the phone. I was going to say, not answering the phone. Uh, yeah, these clients. You pay for the phone. You pay for it. <laughs> right. You, you probably, in, in 21st century, you probably still print business cards and lay them out at the cleaners or the Rotary Club the phone or wherever. <laughs> and you don't even answer your phone. You don't even have it forwarded to a service that'll answer your phone. Yeah. It's beyond me. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe you got a bunch. If you have a website, go ahead and check the links. I know what it is. I'm just saying. It's they don't want to be in. They don't want to. The business they want to be in is not one where they're talking to a client. Yes. They want to be mailbox money. Just put the check in the mailbox. Don't (laughs) expect anything from me. And there's a picture of uh, an airplane in the back (laughs) behind me or a beach or white sand and Clear blue wall. Who doesn't want to enjoy that, right? Right. Yeah, mailbox. (laughs) But I think that's why. Oh, so then I have one of these clients comes to mind. We're going through the process now to expand their system and a a serious expand. They already pay a high percentage of it. And then I always talk about percentage of income and premium because the numbers, the particular absolute number doesn't really matter. It's all about to what degree are you harnessing the incoming cash flow in your own private system? That's always the question. And it's the question whether you make 50 grand a year, whether you make 5 million a year. Then really, same thing. And as the, as you've pointed out before, and I don't think you get enough credit for it, as the absolute level of income rises, the percentage of it that goes to premium should rise as well. Right? So, but that's the relationship. Thank okay. you. Listen, when I'm dead and gone, you make sure I get credit for whatever I uh, am entitled to. I will. To I'll wear your name out. Uh, so they're already doing a lot. But even through the pandemic, they've, and they're in the furniture business. This is not like <clears throat> IT, you know, you can work from Silicon Valley and they're, they're making stuff. Oh, manufacturing. And yeah. And so they've, but they've, in a family business, they've got through the difficulties with labor, got their people to show up. Materials. Them, materials. Yeah. It's lumber refinement. Hello, lumber. Uh, made it through all that. And now margins well, margins are improving, but the the top line number is increasing yeah. like quite a bit. And so it, it greater than the bottom. Oh line. yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And and so it's there's more incoming cash flow that needs to be harnessed. And I had this conversation the other every time somebody asks, Well, what do you do? Uh, uh in finance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've resorted to finance. I've retreated. <laughs> I've, I've, I've totally retreated. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to talk about it, really. Yeah, but then yeah. they, I was at the, happened to be having some wine at the bar the other day. These people asked. And one of, one <laughs> so of the, the wine makes the difference on what you do? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it literally lowers oh, my man. inhibitions, right? So, <laughs> normally. That's why I like to hang out with you. We like, need to go drinking more often. <laughs> Things I wouldn't say, then I'm like, okay, fine, let's we'll have fun. <laughs> and one of them's a lawyer. And I'm like, oh. And I'm sure there's lawyers watching. God bless you. I'm sure you're doing good. There work. are, and thank you for listening and watching and your interaction. Um, yeah. But just like you, just like we know about the others that tend to be in our business, you know about the others that tend to be in your business. So yeah. when I hear a lawyer, it's like, oh, just like if I hear 
insurance agent or CPA. I'm like, oh, you know, I'd much rather you make something. <laughs> I'm being hard. Have you ever thought about making furniture? Yeah. But, and, and a successful lawyer and anybody in a, sort of a white collar profession who has done well is more likely to feel more certain in their financial paradigm. And that just Fair. is what it is. And, you know, all the more power to you. But I'm just expecting an uphill battle. Well, let's get to it, man. Come I'd, on. I'd How many few, glasses of wine are we in? <laughs> and so I just poured it on him. And because the first, they were an attorney. But the first question, that, <laughs> the first question that always comes up is, oh, personal or commercial? And I'm like, so I got to go through this. I'm like, listen, the, the personal commercial distinction is, is a creature of the tax code. That that's it, right? At, did you know businesses are owned by people? <laughs> it turns out that all business is personal from a financial perspective. The money's gonna why make all the money? Who where is it gonna go to other than to the people who own the business? Uncle Sam. Of course, yes, exactly. And that's why okay, so we can do certain things from you got a, a lot of boot jacks he's got to support. It's expensive to, you know, expand the empire by and, force. And again, attorney. So the tax comp implications and then the, the legal implications that follow from that in a business context, that's what all this guy deals with all day. Yeah. And, yeah exactly. And so I've got to I mean, like, and look, I'm, and I always have to like distance myself from the financial. I'm like, I'm trained as an economist. Okay. I just, I met a guy named Nelson Nash and I just happened to write life insurance, but I'm an economist. <laughs> he went from finance to economist to life insurance, but and they, not what you think. I love it. To be financial. That See, I could be at the table next, you know, drinking, you know, I don't drink alcohol. Okay. But my wife drinks enough for both of us. So we could be, you know, I mean, I could be sipping Coca-Cola or whatever, just like be a fly on the wall of that conversation. Oh, and I would be over there with a the scorecard. I'm just saying. You know, by the end of it, both of the guys... He wrote you a check. To, was like, I'm going to get the book. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wait, then you have some competency in conveying the power of becoming your own banker. And you didn't even pull out a freaking illustration. No. Yeah. See, you just scored so very just high. Convolute the matter. <laughs> 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 but so that's one of the, you know, the personal, and I'm like, so we have to distinguish then the economic fact. This all ties back together, I promise. We have to distinguish between the economic facts on the ground. Mm -hmm. and the on-paper cash flows that are prepared with Uncle Guido, the IRS, in mind. Two different things. Oh, there's a second set of books. Is that where we're going? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Look, whether it's written down, at the end of the day, every business owner knows what I'm talking about. Like that, Absolutely. Yeah. And we're banking genuinely. This isn't just a marketing. Like We're genuinely trying to accumulate as much capital based on your cash flows as possible. And that system should be built with the true economic facts on the ground in mind. And then only secondarily, but appropriately taking into consideration what's on the, on the books for the accountant. Right. And so, you know, from basic things like, you know, depreciation, that's not like a, a real, expense that you pay throughout the year, but you account for it, right? And that can lower your net income, but the real true gross in cash available, that, that cash is there. Yeah, until you, you sell know, it, then the depreciation is added back in. Let's don't leave that out. It's like the 1031 exchange. Let's just keep doing a 1031 exchange, 1031 exchange, and pile all that tax consequence up on the next generation, probably yours. But you feel like you're winning the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wait, sorry. Because you found tax loopholes that the is that are in the tax code. Like there, 
But somehow, the people, people who wrote the tax code <laughs> gave you a loophole. <laughs> sure. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. The guy who built the trap is going to tell me how to avoid the trap. Hmm. And that's going to work out great. Yeah, for them. <laughs> exactly. Okay. This is this is great. I'm still I'm still on the scorecard. Yeah. Okay. So all taking coming back to this client, the uh, who in the furniture business who, you know, has other policies with another provider and another agency, <laughs> and they stopped answering the phone. The just quit. The principal, the guy at the top, whose name is you can find online, stopped, said, I don't do I don't mean clients, we don't talk anymore. Talk to my number two guy. Oh. And the number two. So he didn't necessarily fire them. He orphaned them or passed them off on. Delegated them to a subordinate. And then the sub, the subordinate said, yeah, you just got to talk to policy services. Yeah. And there was a, it might have been a 1035 exchange. There was something, it was like a, a more complex issue. Yeah. A payment was meant to be received. It wasn't. Maybe they needed a, a legitimate consult consulting yeah. to to exercise you know that 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 relationship just to participate in this relationship that one ended they needed a professional to intervene on their behalf with the company to sort it out and so we, we ended up i mean this particular client it's taken cuz they don't answer the phone at all anymore and so now well now there's no problem we sorted it all out but i'm not contracted with this other but you intervene because he well let's because of that because he was delegated, handed off, passed off, disrespected, and then delegated again to policy services. Disrespected again. There's there's kind of I'm I'm feeling I I'm feeling a love loss. Yes. So that's when he probably so became your client. Yes. And then you corrected that, and not even contracted with that company. Right. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, of course, then then you're delivering uh, up to his expectations. His expectations were out of line there. Yes. Uh, not not his fault. No. Right. So, but it, it's legitimate. If I'm in business, family business, I don't know the revenue, but it's large and substantial. Um, I like every business, just just like the attorneys. I don't care who you are, the AC man, the plumber, you know, the tradesman. I don't care what. It, 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 a household. If I want service, I want competent service, and I'm willing to pay for it. So I have a reasonable expectation to be serviced, right? If I'm forthright and honest, and there's no games, I'm paying or I'm complying or participating. I don't like the word complying. I'll retract that out. Yeah. Okay. But we're we we have a we, and we've already determined that we can engage in a relate we can have a relationship that vetting already took place because not everybody can be a client right for their benefit and your it has to be a mutual benefit oh wait what a concept okay so now his expectations are not out of line and you deliver on business that you didn't even get, didn't paid get paid on, on. exactly. It seems to me like that distinguishes you. And you know, it's it sounds. Which I'm going to talk about that in the my think tank talk as well. Okay. It, it, it sounds like so complex, but the resolution was Simple. really so easy. Yeah, we handled it on like a 15 minute phone call, and then also at during that very brief call, asked some other questions to make sure that. 
not only that will the issue be resolved this time, but that in the future, this won't happen again. And he knows how to handle that. And it's all now it's all automatic. Yeah. I okay. wonder how many I wonder how many 15 minutes he wasted trying to even get that resolved prior to you. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, yeah. who knows? Uh, who knows, yeah. And so now the business has done well, got through the chaos of the last couple of years. Revenues are expanding. His understanding of IBC is expanding. And building your warehouse of wealth really has done that for quite a few people that I just have happened to talk to in the last couple of months. Sure. They're like, and I even have some who say, I wish I would have read Building Your Warehouse of Wealth first. But Is there any illustrations in there? There are not. Oh, listen, I I, mm. I don't rebuke you, but I, I have fun with you sometimes. And, you know, don't ask questions you already know the answer to. And here I am doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they read this individual in particular has gone through building and he's like you know right he's telling me this on the phone it's like you know Ryan, i i'm looking at what we're doing in sales this year i have an idea what it's going to be next year and we we're not doing enough because they're starting to you know we've talked before about that difference between knowing something like in your mind and knowing something like in your body like when you experience it mm -hmm. it's like he he knows that what a premium dollar is doing in terms of his cash value growth and by the way they're very active with loans so they've been borrowing and repaying they're you know they're practicing eva mm. and that that to, that is listen raw materials and you you know this right so I'm, i mean we're just vocalizing what you already know the raw materials the cost of production the cost of people the cost of being in business the cost of compliance the taxation at every level state county and unemployment federal it's like uh, and, and still turning a profit. Yeah, no, in spite of, right? But now the EVA, they're valuing their own capital. Stern Stewart is like trying to educate Coca-Cola. It's like, and they're doing it. Yep. And the guy wouldn't even answer the phone. The original guy who wrote a policy, he got paid and, and kicked him to the curb. <clears throat> what I call them uh, orphans, you call them refugees. Mm -hmm. So he was really a refugee. Yes. Yeah. And he's, so he, he's, uh, he understands that this is the opportunity cost of a dollar spent or a dollar consumed is what can be done in the policy. Yes. And he knows that. Don't he, jump over that. Okay. I know that was really good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's just, without running illustrations, let's just, you know, conceptually, conversely, uh, talk about that, you know, just, convey that all right so if i spent a dollar today all right and, and it's gone forever f-o-r-e-v-e-r as opposed to practicing eva economic value added i am going to recognize and even embrace the idea and the fact that my capital has a cost if the banker is going to tell me what the capital that they printed out of thin air is worth and force me if I want it to pay. Right. And, you know, we can talk about interest rates all day long. They're going to go up. They're going to go down. The Fed's talking about it. Talky talk, talk. I get it. You know, 30 year mortgage, 2.9. I get all, I still see lines of credit 
that are 10, 12, and 13%. How about hard money lending, you know, and real estate? I don't know. Okay. My point here is <clears throat> I just want you to expand on the idea of the value of those costs. Yeah. That capital. So the, I'll say it again. The the opportunity cost of a dollar spent is everything that happens inside of an IBC style policy. And if you know what is going on, and especially if you know it experientially, because you're paying the premium, you're seeing the cash value, you're taking a positive, you're repeating, you know what's happening there. You know what those premium dollars have done for you. Oh, and by the way, you have an idea of what they're going to do for you in the future, right? Because it's with a non-direct recognition company that's not going to penalize your dividend because you took out a loan. Hmm. And then, and you have, and he's young. I mean, you don't have to be young to do IBC, but he happens to be young. And the younger you start, the better it is. It's true and everything. And so he, he <laughs> knows, <and> everything. <laughs> he know, except wine. <laughs> that should be old. But, but cigars too. Right? And, yeah. All the vices. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows what can be done. And then the business is starting to grow on the other. He's educating his business partner now. Business partner's like, yeah, I like to keep the... Uh, I like to keep the surplus and retained earnings. I'm like, it's an S corp. It's getting taxed anyway. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a, Whether it's distributed or not, you're paying taxes. Yeah. And if there's enough, you know, you're going to avoid, you know, whatever the the wage base is, 240, 225, blah blah blah. Yeah. Save yeah. on some withholding, and that's fine. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. But at the end of the day, that all that cash that's just not being spent is only going to be spent later, and so, it's still being taxed. <laughs> Whether so, it's distributed or not, so from why, the escort. Yeah. yeah. So why not harness it? And so I'm like getting back to this idea of the approach. This all integrates together. The approach the agents have. It's like okay, I need two years financial statements, real finan your financial statements. You know, talk about the taxable stuff later. I need, I need uh, <coughs> cash flows, cash flows, yeah, uh, uh, income, assets, P and Ls, yes, yeah, and a balance sheet if you can manage it. And so he provides that. And so we'll have a call later this week, but there will be a beautiful plan to accommodate, I feel like Trump, be a big, beautiful plan <laughs> to accommodate as much of that cash flow as they can stand. So the lost opportunity, how did you phrase that earlier? The opportunity cost of a dollar spent, spent today, today, it's going to be 20, 30, 40 times everything that can be done i mean think of whatever the, it is the value of the access to the cash value the fact that the cash value is going to exceed the cost basis anyway the the value of having a non-market correlated tax-free source of passive cash flow late in life and then the death benefit on top of that that's going to go to the, your kids and their kids add all that up by the way none of it's on the illustration the the number is but They're, the value of oh, that yeah. right the the availability the access Consider all that, okay? <laughs> Add all that up. Oh my gosh. That's the opportunity. That is the, to be really precise, you can say that's the present value, of the, the present value opportunity cost, we could say, right? The, the present valuation of all those future benefits discounted to the present is the opportunity cost of just going and spending that dollar. And so it's no wonder that Nelson says, and is true, and I tell clients, that over the course of your lifetime, someone who diligently practices the infinite banking concept will pay more premium than the income. And it'll be natural. <laughs> look, and this is a very, that's a very, looking at illustrations, that's a very inadequate way to even illustrate that total value. You cannot illustrate that total value. This particular case, the original policy or policies with the, uh, previous uh individual 
Um, and now, and I don't know what the time period is, a couple of years maybe from... 18 it, months maybe since the, their, their first engagement. Okay. And so here they're expanding. They're, you said they're very active in loans and you're looking at that velocity of capital going through their little aquarium, their little ecosystem. There, you cannot put the value... There's no way to even... Uh, you can't adequately even attempt to illustrate that value. No, you can't because this, <clears throat> this is not the, the last policy that no. they're going to buy talking to educating his business partner. I don't know. Maybe they have spouses. Maybe they have children. It's a family business. They maybe do. they have parents. Maybe they have grandparents. Maybe they have key man employees. Maybe they have insurable interest in other business around. Who knows? All of the above. All of that is unseen by this original uh, individual that maybe should be, do, maybe should do better. Okay. I don't, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yes. All, you're exactly right. All of that is unseen. By the way, unseen to me too. Of course. Until they re-engage. Unseen say, by me. Yeah. Unseen by Nelson. But real. And actual. Yeah. And whether it, and whether you take advantage of an opportunity to deploy this idea of becoming your own banker within your personal life, within your business life, um, is still yet to be. It's it, it's unseen. It, we're going to look back. Who was Elijah that God hit in the rock? Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know I'm. I'm not trying to Bible thump, but you know, Elijah's like, oh, well, let me see your face. It's like, no, man has uh, lived and seen my face. I'll hide you in the rock and I'll pass and you can see. It's looking back with clarity. Hindsight's 2020, mm-hmm. right? Which in hence here, we're all, we're all human, you know, going through the uh, premium calculations with the individual that's already almost paying a million dollars, right? And these individuals, they don't, you know, they need uh, help encouragement, guidance, consultation, professional, able, capable, all right, consulting, to help them see some of this unseen. Mm -hmm. And you won't spend 15 minutes? (laughs) Uh, It's beyond me. And, you know, we could assume that this other person got some great opportunity. You know, his skills were so highly demanded elsewhere that he just doesn't have time to serve a client or to delegate it to someone who can. We could assume all that. But at the end of the day, it's like, to me, it's just almost like criminal. It's like, it's, it's just a, a, a gap. There's just like this opportunity. Somebody who has done the work, who understands, who wants to do it, who already is doing it, who wants to do more. And they're legitimate. They're not, that, that was not an illegitimate question. That was not a trick, quick, trick question. You know, it's like we, we have calls, contact all day, every day. I mean, I have a phone stuck in my ear from the time I leave my house to the time I go back. All right. And I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining. All right. Um, I, you, you won't answer a 15 minute phone. You won't even answer. You won't even make a return phone call. And I remember Nelson Nash, like replying to every email, every, every phone call. And I don't know how many people I spoke with, you know, over the years, they were like afraid to contact Nelson. You know, he's like some big, untouchable, unapproachable, which, you know, he's, you, know. <laughs> you understand why that might be yeah, the impression. I can understand. 
Then Harry answered his emails every day. I I feel like I get so many emails. Sometimes they miss. You know, I miss them, and yeah. and I feel so inadequate in here. This man, 85, 86, 87, 88. Now he did in the in the kind of the latter years, you know, he did reach out to certain individuals and say, Hey, would you respond to this? Would you help him? Would you help them? Made a referral to people. Got that person taken care of. Yeah. Oh, well, he knew he was in the short rows anyway. Anyway, I'm just saying. You can't answer a 15 minute phone call. Uh, to beyond me. This is one case, one client. Happens all the time. The, the previous long, young lady that you mentioned, you mentioned three policies. You started They're with another agent. Well, hmm. why didn't she call them? Did they answer their phone? I don't know. It, it sounds like a. Uh, well, I'm not cracking on agents. You know, if the shoe fits, wear it. I've said it before. You said, yeah, that the industry's earned every black guy it's received. The agents do too. Of course. They're part of the industry. And people who are watching, the agents who are watching know that they've interacted with other agents that are of this kind that we're talking about. It's not a, it, it, maybe it's an open secret. I know nobody else talks about it, but it's happening out there. And it, it results in, it, it all comes back to cost and efficiency and what's optimal and turn, you know, just in my economic mind. It's like the more that that's all convoluted, the more baggage, the more short-sighted. It's just creating work in the future. It's like a government program. It's not only inefficient at the time, it's going to cost more to fix it in the future. And it's... Oh, my gosh. My daddy used to say, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, you sure as hell don't have time to do it over. I really love that. It's really true. It's really true. Yeah. It's pretty simple, too. And I don't care what it is. So. And, you know, I could imagine, you know, oh, the, the arrivals, you know, they're too hard on agents. The show's too long. Uh, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like. The other know, comments that we hear. You know, I, just, I have a whole page and a half of very valuable notes that from just what we talked about before the call even got started. Like the learning process continues. I'm not trying to say that we've got it all figured out. It's not the case. But, you know, it is frustrating when you know what can be done when you are when you have an idea of the unseen possibilities to then see what goes on alternatively is frustrating. <laughs> Another one. Oh, I haven't told you about this one. Oh, great. <clears throat> I think he's coming to the think tank as a, just as a member of the public. I think he worked it out with David. Uh, big old premiums from a name everybody would recognize online. 1090. You know, just went in force. Uh, successful engineer uh, has a you know did what people who he trusted told him to do maxed out the tax qualified plan you know built up this big old balance realizing that he's got to wait 15 20 years to be able to benefit from it and that even then he's got to pay the damn taxes on it and who knows what the value will be at the, I mean he's his education's developed and he's like well what you know, can we fix this? It's like, and look, here's your options. You know, that policy, those policies went in force like a couple months ago. We could start over if you want to. 
don't have to keep what you want. Pay. That's going to do what that is. That's going to do the, what it does. That you're, you're no. In longer, the end of it's going to be a disappointment to him. I think he was forty, uh, early forties. Yeah, anyway, he just he had said a, twenty he had, years. So he had a twelve-year window okay. of premium payment time. Had to RPU in the thirteenth because, of course, it'll mech. Yeah. It's a ten ninety. No An flexibility in premium. Um, annually renewing term. He knows all this. On the, you know, yeah. uh, did he? Did he? Did he know this before he wrote the check to pay the premium, or did he learn nope. it after the fact? After. Now, the unseen consequences of that, right? So the, the original guy got paid, right? Very profitable for him. Very profitable and quick. You know, for the life insurance. Yeah, just quick. Wham, bam. Thank you, man. Um, disappointment. Right now, time, effort, and energy to correct that or do whatever he does with that or not, um, and then your time, effort, and energy. And then, you know, the, you wonder why uh, some of these life insurance companies, I said it earlier, I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it, the particular companies that do that do not like the infinite banking concept, period, 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 period. If you don't believe me, just go listen to some of their uh their regional managers, their VPs, if they even have the cojones to talk about it, all right? Um, and you don't have to believe me. I'm okay if you don't, all right? <laughs> They'll cash that check all day long. Mm -hmm. They don't like the concept because they know the end result of that. They know that they're not going to pay that illustrated death claim. They know they're not. They know that death benefit is going to go down by the time natural mortality and all of that premium and then all of those values, 90%. Non-guaranteed. Oh, wait. And we just did a 7702 that won't necessarily affect that policy um, that changes. Oh, wait. The CSO tables are going to change. Wait. Interest rates are going to go up and interest rates are going to go down. It's like they know the life insurance companies know what the end result of those policies are. Yeah. And they know the concept, the infinite banking concept. If they are really intelligent, and there are some in the home office that are, there's a damn lot that's not. Okay, and I understand you might not like to hear that. Okay, the truth hurts. They know the end result of those policies. They know they're going to be profitable, and they know it's jickety marketing. That's why they don't like to endorse or recognize the infinite banking concept. Becoming your own banker. But there's plenty of disclosures in that application so that they can- No, no, wait. Say, yeah, yeah, in the application. But as soon as you sign the delivery documents, you've accepted. Look at all. Why do you think that illustration is 37 pages? Why do you <laughs> think that life insurance policy, especially with the PUA, the blended PUA, is 15 pages in the policy, right? Because they know you're not going to read it. And if you do read it, they know you're not going to understand it. But when you sign the delivery documents, you've accepted that as is. Mm -hmm. And it's a contract with a 30-day look-back period. Some states have 10, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, sorry about that. So he's got, he's got 12 years yeah. of significant, but it's one of these situations he works a lot, works for the company. Essentially, all expenses are paid, right? Car, housing, food, everything. So the salary is like after tax, it's all pretty much gross and everything. He's a frugal guy, you know, has beaten Parkinson's law and demonstrated that right. as his the cash in the bank reveals. Uh, so he can pay a premium for 12 years and he's in his mid forties. So I'm like, well, do you, I mean, what? how do you feel about retirement? Like, do you plan on generating a cash flow when you're in your late 50s, early 60s, maybe late 60s and your 70s? It's like, oh yeah, you know, he likes to work, he likes his job. I'm like, okay, so the, these policies won't accept any premium at, at, by the way, you're probably highest income earning part of your lifetime. 
So in the 13th year, is that when they max? In year 13, year, I don't know what the premiums are. It doesn't matter what the premiums are. Here I've had 12 years ability to pay 150, 10,000, 20. I don't care what the number is, right? All right. But round numbers for me, easy illustration, conceptually. I'm paying $100,000 premium and I'm in my 40s, 12 years into the future. I'm in my mid 50s. I have any, I'm, I'm just, in the peak earning years Just of my profession it. or my career. And I've already whipped Parkinson's law. And now I'm not going to be able to pay the premium that should be going up over this 12-year time period. And I've got to reduce my premium by 90%, forcing me to go into underwriting again. Perfect if I'm in good health. Yeah. Let me see. Wait, we're always getting better, you know, health-wise. <laughs> I'm just like, the whole the whole. And that's why I have railed on 1090 as the way to practice the infinite banking <laughs> concept. It's based on fear, ignorance, and greed. Yeah. Okay, sorry. But and now, he'll have all that death benefit in force. So he'll be older. Like you said, the, the chance of maintaining the health status really? is open question. Because the dividend is purchasing some of the death benefit. Mm -hmm. The dividend's not guaranteed. My question is, will he have all that? Don't know. He'll have more. I get it. Because of the sheer magnitude of the premium, okay. there will be quite a bit. Okay, but in just in general, premium paid, you know the the particular mechanics of a policy aside, he's putting a lot of death benefit in force yeah. to get the ability to pay less premium than he knows he can pay for a limited time period that will end just before his ability to generate income increases. It's like, and then he still has all the uh, capital in the and there's qualified plans. One and a quarter million in a tax qualified plan that's going to have to go somewhere. Yeah, right through Uncle Guido's gatekeeping. I think literally like the <laughs> the third, that twelfth year is like at age fifty nine or six. It's like shortly after that window opens to when he can transfer money out is when those policies no longer accept premium. Oh, perfect plan. <laughs> Yeah, did we get that done in a twenty-minute phone call or fifteen-minute phone call? Or it's like, I, and you know, it's a rhetorical question, you know, on purpose. It's like, yeah, perfect. Let me work with somebody like that that has their best interest at heart. I, I genuinely believe that people just don't know what the alternative is. They don't. They don't know how it can be otherwise. And I'm not like I don't want to be like bragging or whatever. But when you end a call with a client and they're like, "Whoa." That's pretty, that's pretty cool. And you can handle so much and, you know, you can get so much done be like, this goes there, that goes here. This is what's next. Here's you know, why. When you know what you're doing and you have some competence. Just like Nelson said, if you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. And the client, current clients of mine have a very good idea of what's going on. That's why they're already doing what they're doing. But even that threshold, it's like reading, becoming your own banker once and then twice and then taking up every time you go back through it. The, the the more time you spend paying premium, the the resolution, the clarity of your understanding oh. improves. And then you can see why you're going to remind me of the name, but the gentleman who's passed away who was in Canada, who was uh, Bob Shields. Bob Shields used to say, if you don't have to borrow money to pay a premium, you're not paying enough premium. Think about that. Yeah. You can start to see like, I can see why that would be the case. You know, and a room full of Canadians and think, I appreciate the Canadians. They're the ones that uh, exposed me to him. 
I'm listening to a recorded conversation. Mm. And I'm like, can you stop that? And they're like, no, we can't stop that. Did y'all hear what he just said? <clears throat> it's like, think about that. Listen, if you don't have to borrow money to pay a premium, you may not be paying enough premium. That's pretty dang bold. Just consider this conceptually, though. Let's say a policy happens to go cash flow positive in the fifth year, meaning annual cash value growth exceeds your premium in that year. And that's sort of an inflection point. Every year thereafter, that's going to keep happening. And the difference between the annual cash value growth and the annual premium is going to widen over time. All right, just look at the checks that uh, Nelson mentions from his State Farm policy in his six-hour recorded seminar where that he puts on the screen and shows you. And then he does a little chart where you can compare that. That's just going to keep happening. Yeah. Okay. So how much of that do you want? You know, like what, how many zeros should come after the dollar sign in that relationship? <clears throat> well, at, yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. So if I am forced to reduce a premium in the future, and I'm, <clears throat> once a policy is in force, it gets better by the mere existence. So, and look, Nelson, uh, had his dividend to reduce the premium in that state farm policy for 15 years. Uh, so we all make mistakes. Okay. So when he recognized that he corrected it. Okay. 15 years. Um, when he recognized that he's like, Oh no, I want to pay that premium comparatively. And then the longer policies enforce, the more efficient it becomes the best policy performing that you will ever own is the one that is the oldest now and i know here on the camera if i think if i you know the the uh, xy scale um there's an exponential curve with any account time and interest okay an exponential curve exists in a life insurance policy it's just enhanced if you practice the infinite banking concept with PUA riders. And if you practice this concept correctly, which gets to a correct structure of a policy, you're not forced to lower your premium arbit arbitrarily or artificially, right? <clears throat> well, you're just not forced to lower premium be because you built a policy for artificial efficiency in the early years, Okay. So if I've created this exponential curve, it's like the shade tree. When's the best time to plant a shade tree? 20 years ago. Okay, well, you didn't do that. So when's the next best time? Right now. If it happens to be a fruit tree and I plant a fruit tree, as soon as it produces fruit, I'm going to go chop it down, which is exactly what you're doing. You start a policy correctly, you've got an exponential curve forever, uninterrupted, right? And if you artificially build a policy or incorrectly build a policy because you didn't spend enough time understanding what you're doing and what is best for the client, then you're forcing them to reduce the premium when the exponential curve is starting to go vertical. It's beyond me. Mm -hmm. It is beyond me. Mm -hmm. So stop it. Okay, And I think that, getting back to what I was talking about earlier, the difference between a, just a product pitcher and a salesperson, mm -hmm. I'm not like, I'm as capitalist as they come, nothing wrong with sales, but the difference between 
someone who's just taking something off the sh shelf and selling it to you and then buy, you know, leave the store and an advisor. It, it, one element of that distinction has to do with just how long-term oriented and how informed that long-term perspective is in relationship to the products that are sold and that will be sold yes. to accommodate what, you know, we, we can't predict the future. I tell people, look, if we could predict the future, we would build the perfect, we would have a, a, a nice plan. Sure. We would know when you're going to expand and how much and what the premium. And when you're going to die. Yep. And we and then we build a system to accommodate the death <coughs> benefit for the next generation, by the way. It's another layer of that. But we don't know the future. That's fine. But we can, and I tell people, you can think like an accountant and take stock of past cash flows. Or you can think like a banker and take stock of future cash flows. And learning IBC starting to live the IBC in, truly in your financial life is to start to pay attention to what those future cash flows could be. And we can't get totally perfect, but just like we referenced earlier with the guy in the mid forties with the one point something odd million in the tax qualified plan. Okay. There's going to be something there. Something's going to have to happen with that money. O ostensibly he's going to live to 59 and a half. Certainly, sure. well, certainly 59 and a half ostensibly to 72. I think it is now where you have to start taking required minimum distributions. Something's got to be in place there. And it would be nice if that something that was put in place didn't obligate you or bind you in such a fashion that if things worked out poorly, then you hurt yourself, right? We would prefer a solution that's flexible enough to accommodate what we can predict or expect to the best of our ability and which is flexible enough to not hurt you and in fact to help you in the event that what you thought might happen or hope might happen didn't occur, right? We'd like both. Accommodate the best case scenario and be hedged against the potential worst case scenario, ideally, right? Well, that's a very long-term oriented perspective. And in, in order to build something that could do that, you have to have an idea of what those future expectations are. And so if you don't have that conversation, how the, could you expect to end up with something that will serve you in that regard in the future? You wouldn't. So of course, if it's, here's the illustration, here's the application, let's see what happens. You already know, I don't have to know the client, I don't have to know the agent, I don't have to know the company, I don't have to know the policy, I don't have to know the product. You already know that that is not going to serve you optimally in that in the future because you didn't talk about it. And so it's there's an extent to which we should expect that outcome if that's the nature of the business. If we're doing the Walmart style product pitching, you know, buy and sell, get out of the store as fast as you can. Well, yeah, you know, that's made in China. It's not going to last that long. Or it's not going to serve you in the way that when it really matters, by the way, I mean, the whole, a lot of all this, you know, focusing on capital and IBC and banking is to optimize our future financial experience, to, to provide for the, every illustration or every example, even set the illustrations aside, every example Nelson talks through in becoming your own banker, he refers to the net annual outlay at the end of that person's lifetime, right? What did all this do for him at the end or, or her at the end of their lifetime in addition to the savings and the banking, right? It's all couched in those long-term circumstances in, those, in establishing expectations or approximating. I go through this with every person. <laughs> I, we don't even, I don't even really mention it, 
but at at the end of my advisory process is the illustration review. We'll finally look at what everything is we've talked about. And then we'll have a little fun and talk about since it's non-direct recognition and what kind of, uh, and it's approximation. I know illustrations, but we use companies that have paid dividends for a long time and have a good hit, uh, track record, support the IBC, acknowledge Nelson, one of which even went to his funeral. Uh, so we have a good foundation and we can start to play a bit with the kind of policy loans one might be able to expect yeah. towards the end of life. Sure. And it's like, oh my goodness. And then <laughs> I'm driving to West Texas and back a lot this past week. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts and Danielle DiMartino Booth, by the way, Quill Intelligence, which I really enjoy. I don't really care. I mean, it's all the investment, manage money, which is fine. It's like entertainment to me, but uh, she's talking about these pension funds and how they're all underfunded and the uh, assumed rates are, you know, 8% rate of return every year when you're, the, the fund is 40% private equity. Yeah, that's going to work, right? CalPERS, yeah. Uh, Kentucky. <laughs> Chicago, Illinois, I mean, you name it, right? Seattle, and then Detroit. Because he, here I am thinking about the illustration review I did the other day. I'm like, <laughs> how is that possible? You know, we not only have a, many problems with pensions, a concern over the degree of funding. Do the employees make the contributions? Okay, in the IBC world, will the client pay the premium? Uh, yeah, because they're motivated to. They understand it's going to create equity in something they own and control. So yeah, they're going to pay. Funding is not the issue here. Okay, well then, uh, the rate of return, the, the pension funds assume a rate of return, <laughs> a private equity. Okay, do I need to assume a rate of... Cash values, the net present value of the death benefit, as time is passing, cash value is rising. Creates a compounding curve. Will there be growth? Yes, there will be growth. Okay, so we solve for that problem too. And then on the back end, will there be sufficient account value at the end or sufficient fund value at the end to actually pay all these people? And for as long as they're going to live, right? Long People are living longer now. They're going to expect that pension <laughs> check to be paid longer now. Gee, how's that going to work out? Well, in IBC, yeah, I can tell you with pretty darn close to certainty, if you pay the premiums that we've established that you have the ability to pay what a minimum number on a very conservative basis would be in passive cash flow that will let last you the rest of your natural born life and in particular to age 121 so you, you know outlive that okay you know so this solves all the problems with the pen <laughs> by what by privatizing the banking function they're going to be fine at eight percent rate of return all of those pensions and then you have the government uncle guido forcing them to buy a certain amount of government bonds that pay four <laughs> percent yeah it's a match made in heaven it'll work out what no problem here all right yeah, yeah, yeah. and we laugh and i make fun because i do make fun but and you have to in this business but it's really sad what'll happen to people who expect a check you know, from these <clears throat> institutions that it's just oh, going to come let's, in. You know, talk about the uh, bogus inflation rate of 7.5%. This is, you know, February 2022. Like, get real. Yeah, made up and numbers. And your Social Security income? Wait, and it was built uh, 1934. It became law, 37. The first benefit was paid, I believe. Life expectancy was, what, 61? 
Maybe. Maybe. It wasn't even meant for you to collect it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a government plan right there. We're yeah. going to pay you something that's going to start after you die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so bad. And wait, and if I do die, all of that money, that it, it's like there is no pension. I mean, there is no Social Security fund. There is no, you know, uh, fund. Trust it, fund. It, yeah. Trust fund, yeah, in the in the mountains, you know, in Tennessee, <laughs> the bunch of IOU. No, no. When you pay your taxes, it is paid to the Internal Revenue, the general fund, the IRS. It goes into the general operating. It is a tax. Social Security is a tax. It is not money. It is not your money that you paid in, and they're managing it for you as a benefit. I mean, I hate to break the news, but my point here is, it was designed to pay out at age 65, but life expectancy was not 65. And here we're living longer. Yeah. yeah what could go wrong with that? Oh, this nothing, right? They're just going to, you know, uh, index yourself out of a benefit, charge you five times for, you know, Medicare. It's like, it's criminal. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, nothing can go wrong there. Yeah, and the index fund, I mean, we've been hard enough on the tax qual. well, maybe not hard enough, been plenty hard on tax qualified plans. These, these, this index, this target date, automatic contribution. When you go to, go to, yeah, you go, you get a job, you're automatic. You have to opt out of the qualified plan. Yeah. Previously, you had to opt into it. So I learned (laughs) this, didn't know this. Did you know that half of all inflows into the public equity markets are from passive funds, like index funds. And 80% of those are of the tax qualified variety. So just every quarter, there's this new, half of all volume is just being pumped right back in. Do you think that volume Consider has- what that's doing to equity valuations. Yeah, that's, that's where hmm. I was going with that, yeah. You think they built that in on purpose? I wonder. And then if you look too deep at these indexing, these indices, and they're, created on a daily basis i mean i hope somebody like barry dock does an in-depth analysis on these indices me too and barry if you're listening please write the next book <laughs> yeah i love don't update stuff. the third one write the fourth one barry i encouraged him to do that but whatever i'm listening to these guys on uh these podcasts and stuff and i had that same thought too i'm like imagine if barry was the one talking about this and like i'm you know, fact figures like the the half of all inflows thing. I mean, he'd probably take that to the next level. Tell you where the money's coming from, <laughs> yeah, who's getting paid, and right. what the CEO compensation is, and right. how many off shelter or off offshore shelters they've got. <laughs> mm. yeah, it's really incredible, and a major proponent of Nelson Nash and IBC. Hmm. 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 How long did all that take? Mr. Griggs. Longer than you have to speak next week. <laughs> yeah, we're at like a 85-minute mark. Well, perfect. Uh, Show's too long. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, but, you know, too, you know, we've talked about some of the, the agents. There are a lot of agents and that we may be hard on agents. I may be hard on agents. And, of course, that, you know, hater page that was created because of this podcast, you know. how Which one? Yeah, I was a really nice guy in the beginning, and you know they liked me. And then until I met you, and then your arrogance, and then your I arrogance rubbed off, rubbed on, off on me. <laughs> when those people, you know, there's no noise promoters, uh, but there are other agents, right, that are genuinely, genuinely, 
yeah. you know, learning and practicing the infinite banking concept and providing a genuine service to their clients and they're educated and they're interested in being educated. They participate in the Nelson Nash Institute. They give Nelson Nash credit. Uh, I hear an awful lot from you guys and I greatly appreciate your positive comments. Thank you for listening. And they, they refer a lot of their clients to particular episodes, you know, because they know that uh, it's legitimate and um, honest, straightforward information. And we're not trying to poach, you know, their clients, you know? So no, no, no marketing. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, so my point here is there, there are a lot of agents and professionals, even attorneys, CPAs, you know, partners in other life insurance companies, <laughs> <laughs> partners in the big four. Uh, anyway, uh, we have a very broad, an educated and intelligent, and I'm not patronizing you, audience. So thank you for listening. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I think I would still get up and talk every day about the infinite banking concept, whether I was doing a podcast or not. Well, that was the whole thing behind all this. Like, we'd have conversations like this anyway. We did before we shot today. It's like... An hour and a half. And cameras weren't even on. We've been talking for, like, going on four hours. Sorry, you only get to see 90 minutes. I'm the quietest guy in the room. I just want you to know. I'm the quietest guy in the room, generally. This is true. He's not, yeah. My wife talks. Ask him his opinion. (laughs) Oh, if you ask, I'll give it. Yeah. Straightforward. And, uh, yeah. Well, is that a bit of a preview? I mean, we're obviously expanded a little bit more than maybe you'd be able to in your session next week, but, or week after next. You know, I'm sorry. And you had, but you had said too that, you know, you're, I don't say exactly how it came up, but my encouragement was, you know, just go do you because at the end of the day, people know your heart and they know your perspective or they don't. And that's not your problem, right? That you're, you're genuinely authentically promoting Nelson Nash's legacy. And if things violate the spirit of that, then it's going to be frustrating and irritating and, that so that that comes off some kind of way then you know tough yeah you're very encouraging you know and i appreciate that and i don't know how to be anything but me so i'm gonna be mean but i want to be you know uh i don't want to be teachy i mean i want to i have come to the place in my life that um I don't per se want to teach people and i've used these this terminology i don't necessarily want to teach people i want to encourage them to learn, but I want to encourage the expansion of their thinking, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I think that maybe, I mean, that's just where I've. Which is different from like instruction, yes. do this, think this. Yes. Yeah. Which that's growth for me, you know, I think, or I'm going to count it as growth. And I want to be encouraging, but I want to point out, I mean, it's so simple the infinite banking concept is so simple. It does not have to be, it is not complicated. It does not have to be esoteric. Mm-hmm. There is no magical thing that you're missing. If you'll read and watch and listen and control what is going into your mind, right? It, there's nothing that you're missing. It's just counterintuitive 
to the way we think about money and cash flows. And it's the exact opposite of what you've been told to do with your money. Okay, that is what it is. And some people can change and change is uncomfortable anyway. Tell right, me but about it. Just, These damn cameras move every day. <laughs> I have particular angles. You know, I mean, I need all the help I can get, the correct lighting, the correct sound, you know. I mean, Andrew, the the uh, uh, AV Ninja, you know, his instructions are make me look younger and thinner, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I'm just saying that it is so simple that it does not have to be esoteric. We do not have to use, you know, fanciful accusations and innuendos to try to make this better than it is. Mm -hmm. That is good in and of itself on its own. And frankly, Nelson Nash needs no interpretation. My humble opinion. He does not need his work redone, broken down, changed. My opinion. It is what it is. And pretty dang powerful. And you're missing out if you're not practicing, my opinion. Yeah, it can be so easy. I'll finish by this one little, I had a client who's already paying a lot of premium. We talked about him briefly before. Wants to pay a lot more, maybe too much more for where he is. Uh, That's a yes. Yeah. And so, but. His heart's in the right place. Yeah. He just needs proper guidance. Yeah. But just like Key, the guy I had mentioned earlier, you know, he engaged with me he reached out to me and said hey i'm seeing cash stack up in the bank there's this tax qualified money let's expand you know everything we've been talking about and i say okay i mean it just just so you know it to to go all out is a lot of premium and he's like yeah okay it's like all right i'll send you the email with you know so i'll send you an email with some numbers but once we go and build the policy tell you exactly what the premium would look like if you fully got fully insured and so we did that and I told him the number. So he called me. I was at a dinner. So he left a voicemail. He's like, yeah, read the email, talked over it with the wife. And, Let's do it. <laughs> so I call him back. And I'm like, so what do you think? Like, how how did you arrive at this kind of thought process? And, you know, what made you say yes, given what I told you about the numbers? And, and he told me, and I said, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll go. We'll go build this out. We'll do an illustration review and look at some scenarios and stuff. And I love this. He goes, yeah, I mean, we can. I, I don't really need to see them. I mean, I, I know you're going to do what's what's best. So, you know, just, What's that worth? Uh, what's that yeah. worth? L- l- really? What's that? And I'm he's right. About, and he's right. You know, of course he is. Yeah. And he knew he was right. <clears throat> I mean, how humbling is that? that that's pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. So, so, and in that that one case happens to be like a large premium number for a lot of eight, but it doesn't really matter. You know, it happens with other. It's the idea that for an individual who wants to do something, uh, uh, wants to change the direction of a very high percentage of his annual income every year for like the next twenty years, is going to do so with a product that he gets from me that I didn't telling me needed that he told me he wanted and the the step to show him what that is he's like yeah i mean we can that, but. He, that man i appreciate that and if i'm not mistaken he's a family man with children yep all right so not only does he want to he wants to change the direction for his people oh yeah 
Money is just the medium of exchange. That's all it is. Capital is just future money. I mean, it's just access to you know, money in the future. And it's just the medium of exchange and the medium of exchange to facilitate you getting what you'd want otherwise or anyway. That's right. <clears throat> you know, he wants to, you know, and, it, and it, I, I want to close with this. You know, he wants, he knows what kind of change that will cause long term. That's why we do what we do. That and, you know, in my opinion, um, just have the bankers show up and tell you what you can and cannot do. Have the bankers show up and tell you what you will and won't do in the business. Have them show up calling notes. And I understand I've said it before. Not every loan out there uh, is, you know, Every loan out there is callable, number one. And you don't have a bunch of loans that doesn't have your personal guarantee. When you sign the John Henry, when you sign your John Henry to that loan document, then money's created. Didn't exist until you signed your name. That's your part in the expansion of the money for supply and inflation. All right. Now, you're in, in the understanding, you know, that you're committing your capital today, money, Assets, and there's not a banker out there that's going to loan you a hundred thousand dollars on a hundred thousand dollars of assets. No, unless it's life insurance, and they'll loan dollar for dollar if they're educated on cash value. Other than that, they're going to discount your property. You want to you want a twenty million dollar loan? You better put up thirty million dollars in assets, hard assets, plus your future production. Why wouldn't they want to repay? Just go through that a few times, and it's like, yeah, I can get past the word life insurance, James. How much, you know, can I write? And the only reason why you're not paying a million dollars in premium annually is because you don't have that ability, or you don't know what this can do for you. I'm convinced of that. Whenever you see what's going on, when you understand how dividend-paying whole life insurance works, as you know, presented. Uh, by Nelson Nash, you can't pay enough premium fast enough. Now, that's not me telling you to go out and run out and buy life insurance. I'm just telling you the concept is that powerful. Jeez, I'm getting all worked up. You are. <laughs> you <know? laughs> proximity to the think tank, I think. Is what I think it but is. But that's okay. You know, whatever. Sorry to be passionate. Sorry to care about what you do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. My goodness, man. Y'all stuck around for 97 minutes yeah. working on 100 been good yeah, listen we need to break it up into two parts yep. i hate to do it but we need the time. podcast is too long podcast is too long <laughs> okay really thank you for listening we appreciate you um and i really i had fun yeah thanks y'all thank you for joining us on the banking with life podcast if you're watching on youtube make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.